بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد کریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا ٹوینٹی ففتھ آف جون ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ blessed day of Dhul Hijjah. So tomorrow, inshallah, the hajis will start their hajj rites in earnest. So we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He accepts their efforts and forgives us all for their honorable sake. Amen. So verse 63. See you not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down rain from the sky And forthwith the earth becomes clothed with green. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is He who is Latif and is well acquainted. So, why does Allah the Almighty and Glorious often mention the phenomena of rain coming from the, the sky? So, there's another passage in Surah Al Kahf, Surah 18, verse 45. <laughs> So in Surah 18 verse 45, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions there, Set forth to them the similitude of the life of this world. It is like the rain which we send down from the skies. So here Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He is likened the example of the world to the rain which comes from the sky. So why is that? So one of the shaykhs, Maulana Muhammad Yunus Palanpuri in his work Scattered Pearls, Volume 3, page 320 to 1 of the English translation. After mentioning this verse, Surah 18, verse 45, he explained, Allah the Almighty has used the example of water in this verse for the life of this world. We can find many similarities between the two. A few are given here. The first, A property of water is that it never stays at a single place. It always flows as it finds the opportunity. Just like water, this, this world also slips out of hands and does not stay at a place. So the first analogy the Sheikh gives is water is always is fluid, it's always moving. And he goes, that is just like the world. You think you're stationary, but you're actually moving. Then he mentions another property of water is that whoever enters it does not remain dry. Similarly, a person getting involved in the world would ultimately have the same effect. He didn't quote a hadith, I'll quote you the hadith. The hadith is in bazaar, authentic. And it was once raining very heavily. And the Prophet said to the companions, can any of your get to your dwellings without getting wet. So the Sahaba goes, impossible, Ya Rasulullah, because we have to get wet if we need to go to our dwellings in this downpour. So the Prophet said, similarly, you cannot avoid sin if you get entangled in the world. So this is the hadith. The Shaykh here said, another property of water is whoever enters it does not remain dry. Because you'll get affected. 
Then he said, the third property of water is that when its quantity is according to needs, it is beneficial. However, when it exceeds the limits of needs, it becomes harmful. Same is the case with this world. It is useful only in limited quantity, but becomes injurious when it exceeds the necessity. Water, when flooded, breaks dams as well, because it is more than the requirement. Similarly, those who have money in huge quantities get involved in luxuries and start crossing the boundaries of Sharia. So water, like uh, another example the Sheikh gives, Maulana Rumi, Rahmatullahi, he goes, it's like a boat on the sea. When a person goes in his boat to catch the fish, he goes, it's beneficial because he's using the boat and he's using the sea to catch the, the fish. But if a hole emerges in the boat, he goes, then it becomes destructive. Why? Because they're going to sink. He goes, the world is the water, the sea. The boat is in sun. So if a hole enters your heart and the world enters, it will destroy you. <laughs> but if you keep it underneath, it benefits you. So look at the beauty. Allah simply says, The similitude of the life of this world is like rain which comes down from the sky. And look how beautiful Allah has given you that, but he doesn't give you details. The scholars go into it. So when you come across these verses, for example here in verse 63, Allah Ta'ala is reminding you of this. He goes, don't you see that the rain comes down from the sky and forthwith the earth becomes clothed with green. Also, if you look at the verse at the end, Allah Ta'ala says, for Allah Ta'ala is he who is Latif. So Latif is a name of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. It is difficult to define in words. Number one, it means fine or subtle, very fine or subtle. You don't even realize how fine or subtle it is. So fine and subtle as to be imperceptible to human sight. So how does that link to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He is Al-Latif. So there's an interesting thing. So Sheikh Ibn Ashur, rahmatullah, in his tafsir, Al-Tahreer wa Al-Tanweer, he said, the meaning of Al-Latif includes the idea that Allah the Almighty is managing the affairs of the world with great care and wisdom. So one of the meanings of Al-Latif subhanahu wa ta'ala is that he's doing things which many fail to understand how or why he's doing certain things. Then the Shaykh gives an example. So this is in the work, The Kingdom of God, by Sheikh Asim Khan, page 69. He goes, the path of change is often long and drawn out. Consider the rise of young Yusuf to the throne of Egypt, from where it all began at the bottom of a hopeless well. It was the Almighty who shaped that path to victory for him, paving it with many twists and turns. No one could have predicted his life's trajectory. The Quran tells us that after being reunited finally with his family and looking back at his turbulent life, Yusuf with a newfound appreciation, he said, and he recited Surah 12 verse 100, Yusuf said, Indeed my Lord is Latif, 
in fulfilling what he wills. Surely he alone is the all-knowing, the all-wise. It's become interesting. Yusuf looks back at his amazing life and he goes, Allah Ta'ala is Al-Latif. He saw so too. His life experience taught him that Allah the Almighty is Al-Latif. Appreciating this attribute can become a huge source of positivity for the person facing adversity and hardship. So when he was in the bottom of the well, was that good for him? Ultimately, yes. When he was made a slave, was that good for him? In Egypt, ultimately, yes. When he was put in prison, was that good for him? So on the face of it, you think, how can this be good for him? But all of that was needed for him to get where he needed to get to. So how do you explain that? You say he is Al-Latif. So how does that link to people like us? Our lives. When we're going through these tribulations, it gives you great strength. As long as you obey the command of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So look how interesting. After Allah the Almighty mentions sending rain from the sky, clothing the earth with green, Allah Ta'ala then says, He is Al-Latif, He is well acquainted. Meaning when I'm sending rain, it's not haphazard. Because you don't have an idea and it's true. What's interesting, scientific fact, every year exactly the same rainfall falls on the earth. They proved it. Why is it different then? If it's exactly the same rain, why do some places have droughts, some have floods? Al-Latif, there's a reason for it. And this is also mentioned in the Quran, but that's another narrative. Verse 64. To him belongs all that is in the heavens and on earth. For verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Ghani, worthy of all praise. So what does Al-Ghani mean? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's loving kindness and mercies are not like the human creatures who all depend upon each other and often expect some kindness or recognition in return. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above all ones and depends in no way whatever on his creatures. His mercy have therefore a special quality which we cannot describe except by gratefully singing his praises. So there's the difference. We, we do good to each other. But how often is that tainted? <laughs> you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, classic. Allah Ta'ala is Al-Ghani. Why is he doing good to us? So he's not like us. He's doing it purely because he's Al-Ghani. He, you know, he is the, the enricher. He's not enriched. He doesn't enrich himself. He enriches your. So Allah Ta'ala says he is Al-Ghani. Also, what's interesting? There's a report. So Hafiz ibn Kathir, it mentions at the end, he is also Al-Hamid. So in Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Hafiz ibn Kathir, he said, Al-Hamid, the praised, is the one who is praised in six conditions. He is praised in all his actions. Number one. He is praised in all his statements. Number two. He is praised in all his legislation, number three. He is praised in all his commandments, number four. He is praised in all his prohibitions, number five. And he is the he only says the truth in the information he conveys. 
This is Allah Hamid. Every form of praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is impossible for the creation to praise Allah Ta'ala perfectly. Yeah. Think about that. We, any creation you can praise. You know, you, you say, may Allah reward you, class. Jazakallah You cannot praise Allah Ta'ala perfectly. The angels, they say, we have not worshipped you as you deserved. They said that in the Quran. How can the angels? They don't commit any sins. So sinless beings live for billions of years, worshipping non-stop. What did they say? We have not worshipped you as you deserve. Rasulullah said in sujood, in Sayyid Muslim, O Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is impossible for us to praise you as you are deserving. Anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. You are as you have praised yourself. So the Prophet said, I can't praise you enough. You can only praise yourself enough. So what name does all of this fall under? Al-Hamid. So now what's interesting? This verse finishes with both those names. To him belongs all that is in the heavens and the earth. For verily Allah, who will ghaniyul hamid. So what is that telling you? He is the subtle you don't see often his wisdom and why he does things. He is Al-Ghani. He's only doing it for your benefit, not for anybody, you know, for, not for his benefit. And you cannot praise him enough. Now think about that. If you look at those three qualities, you get to realize or take a glimpse into the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why shirk is unbelievable. How can people fall into shirk? Verse 65. See you not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made subject to you all that is on the earth and the ships that sail through the sea by his command. He withholds the sky from falling on the earth except by his leave. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Rauf, the most kind and most merciful. So now a few things pointed out. So Mufti Shafi Rahmatullah in Maadaful Quran, volume 6, page 284 of the English translation, he looks at this verse, verse 65, and he says, Allah Ta'ala subjected to you whatever is on the earth, meaning everything on this earth has been placed under the control of man. So this raises the question, mountains, rivers, beasts, birds, and thousands of other objects do not follow the commands of man. So this is a question. Allah Ta'ala says, I've subjected you all that is on the earth. So obvious question. Is a lion subjected to us? No. Quran made a mistake. So Mufti Shafi, he explains. Placing something in the service of someone is also like putting it under his control. If something is under you, you are the, you know, they even say man is the top of the evolution tree. <laughs> what do they mean by that? Because we are the masters of the earth. Everything is subject. So even though an elephant is more stronger, who is actually subjugated? The elephant. Right? So the Shaykh goes, this is what it means here. The verse therefore means that all things mentioned above are all the time working in the service of man by the command of Allah. So, wa ta'ala. 
it was quite within the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have placed all these things under the control of man. But in such a situation, man himself would become the loser because human nature's desires and needs differ. So why didn't Allah ta'ala just give you control of the sun, your own control, set, rise, lions, you know, come here, do this. Why is it subjugated but not under your control? The shaykh goes because you would become a loser. He then explains. If a person ordered the river to divert towards a particular direction and some other person ordered the contrary, there would be confusion. Therefore, Allah the Almighty has retained with him alone the command of these things. But the benefits to be derived from them accrue to human beings. So look how deep we should be thinking. Right? Yes, everything is subjugated. What does that mean? You just narrated the verse. You have to explain it. You say, no, it doesn't mean we've got control over it. Allah is the one. But we are is subjugated to us. If it was given to us, we'd be tyrants. Imagine if you had control over the rain. Right? Imagine. For the office to everybody else. Right? Or send it as a punishment. <laughs> so Allah is the one who's in control here. Also, if you look at the end of the verse, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He withholds the sky. From falling on the earth except by his leaf. So there's an interesting report. So in Bukhari's al Mufrit, number 1214, there's a hadith. Jabr he said, When a man enters his house or goes to bed, an angel and shaitan quicken to him. The angel says, Ikhtim bikhir. Seal it with good. The shaitan says, Ikhtim bishar. Seal it with evil. Just drop in the report. Is this from the Prophet? No. It's from Jabr. How does he know? Where is he getting this knowledge from? It must be from the Prophet. But he's not mentioned the Prophet. When a man, there's two times, when a man enters his house or goes to bed, so there's two times you're supposed to do this zikr. You enter your house or you retire to bed. Who comes to you? Immediately an angel and a shaitan come to you. The angel says, seal it with good. The, angel, the shaitan says, seal it with evil. Then Jabir said, if he praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remembers him, the angel kicks shaitan away and spends the night guarding him. When he wakes up, the angel and shaitan quicken to him and say the same thing again. So now what's happened? If you enter your house before you retire, you remember Allah Ta'ala, an angel smashes the shaitan, he's get out. And the angel protects you because you sealed your day with good. If you don't, the shaitan stays, stays with you. Some people go to sleep with music. You know what's going on there? Mashallah. With their phone. Mashallah. Jabir then said, if he mentions, so when you wake up, same thing happens. As soon as you get up, the angel and shaitan comes. If he mentions Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and says, Alhamdulillah, illadhi radda ilayya nafsi ba'da mawtiha wa lam yumitha fiha manamiha. Alhamdulillah, illadhi. 
Praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who returned to me my soul after his death and did not let it die in sleep. Then Jabir recited Surah 35 verse 41. Alhamdulillah illadhi yumsiqu samaa antaqa'a ala al-ardi illa bi-idhni inna allaha bin nasir ra'ufur rahim. Then he recited this verse. Verse 65. <laughs> so let's look at this. So in translation, you get up and you say, Praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who returned to me my soul after its death and did not let it die in sleep. They would vanish if anyone other than him held them. He is forbearing forgiving. Praise be to Allah who holds the heaven from falling onto the earth unless he permits it. Lo, Allah Ta'ala is for mankind compassionate, full of pity and mercy. Jabir said, if he dies, he dies as a martyr. If he gets up and prays, he prays in virtue. So, this verse is supposed to be recited when you rise from your bed. And if you rise and you recite the two verses under the Dua mentioned, if you die on that day, you are martyred. And if you pray, you pray with virtue. So what's interesting, why are these verses being recited when you wake up? Because notice the command is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ultimate command. You get up when Allah Ta'ala wants you to get up. Some people don't get up, they die. Allah Ta'ala is holding the heavens up. If you want to drop. So you're just, you're just you're showing your humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala appreciates that. Verse 66. It is he who gave you life will cause you to die and will again give you life. Truly man is a most ungrateful creature. So in this holy verse, Allah Ta'ala mentions, I gave you life. Anybody deny that? Nobody can deny that. I will cause you to die. I will bring you to life again. Man is kafur. He is an un- ingrate. So now there's another passage. In Surah 20 verse 55. In Surah Taha verse 55. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions there which is more famous. The translation. From the earth did we create you. And into it shall we return you. And from it shall we bring you out once again. So there's a report. The hadith is in Abu Dawud Ahmed Sahih. And the relevant part, the Prophet said, His records are inscribed in Illiyin, and the angels are told, Take him back to the earth. Because I, subhanahu wa ta'ala, promised them that, and then he recited this verse, that from the earth we created him, from, and to it we shall return him, and from it we shall bring him back to life. So, what's interesting, if you have passed your test, your soul goes into the heavens with honor. And Allah Ta'ala puts your deeds in illiyun. But then he says, I promise that I will bring him from the earth. So take his soul back respectfully. And then Allah Ta'ala mentions here, verse 55, From the earth we created you. Into it we shall return you. This is why the soul returns. And from it we shall bring you back again. And there's a report. So in Imam Qurtubi in his tafsir, volume 7, page 6 of the New English Translation, and Abu Nu'im, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he relates the angel entrusted with the womb he takes the sperm in his hand and he says O Lord created or not created 
If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says created, the angel asks, O oh Lord, what is the provision? What is the character? What is the lifespan? Allah ta'ala says, look in Ummul Kitab. The angel looks at the preserved tablet, finds the provision, character, lifespan and actions. He takes the dust from the area where he will be buried and kneads it together with the sperm. This is what the words of the Almighty mean and recited verse 20 verse 55. From it we created you and to it we will return you. And then he quotes a hadith, Abu Huraira radiallahu relates that the Prophet said, there is no child born but that the dust of his grave is scattered upon him. So now we're shocking about this hadith. Every time a husband and wife have intimacy, there's a possibility of pregnancy. Allah Ta'ala is the one. Allah Ta'ala is the one who decides. But look what's happening in the unseen world. The angel, he's got the sperm of the father. And he says, life or no life. So Allah Ta'ala then says, look into the Ummul Kitab. When he gets all the details. Then the Hadith says, look at how amazing it is. The angel takes dust from your grave. And he uses that to create life from with you, your sperm. Look how amazing that is. So think of people who've died. So let's go to the greatest, the Prophet When Amina radiallahu became pregnant with the Prophet what dust was used for his creation? His grave. When Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu's mother was pregnant with him, what dust was used? Rasulullah's grave, just next to his grave. When Umar ibn al-Khattab his mother was pregnant with him, where was the dust taken from? So you actually are going through a cycle of life. You just go back to where you started. Now why is that fascinating? Because people do not, you sometimes get buried where they expect to get buried. A person may be born in Sheffield. He does hijra to America. And then he dies in Brazil. And he's buried in Brazil. So where was the dust taken from? Brazil. So when you are actually burying an individual, you should be thinking that. Look how amazing it is. We're actually carrying our grave with us. If you don't think, look how amazing. We are so oblivious to death and yet we're part of death. We're carrying our own dust of the grave. So how can you not think of death? You know, how foolish are you? Allah Ta'ala has made your constituent the grave. The Prophet said, there is no child born but that the dust of his grave is scattered on him. Allah Ta'ala could have took the dust from anywhere. He took it from your grave. So, the, so note again, this is how we should be reflecting. Now why have I mentioned this here? Because what did Ibn Masood say? All of this is confirmed in Surah 20 verse 55. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? From it we created you. Doesn't the Quran say that? Was it? The grave. The Quran doesn't say the grave. Minha khalaqnakum. From it we created you. Who's that talking about? Not just Adam. Alayhi salatu wasalam. He's talking about all of us. 
and from it we shall return you the grave. So Allah is telling you about the grave in this verse. You are actually going to go back to where you were created from. Subhanallah. And this also obviously highlights the greatness of the two sheikhs. You know, people are so foolish, speaking ill of the two sheikhs. Where they're buried. And then he goes, well, what's not going to do anything? And then he goes, well, what's not going to do with anything? Don't you know anything? Where you are buried is a sign. Are they buried next to Pharaoh and Dajjal? You know, where they're buried? Next to the Prophet Well, what does that tell you? Where's Uthman buried? Janat al-Baki. Where's Ali buried? Probably in Janat al-Baki. <laughs> So I think about that. This is why the Prophet ﷺ, he said in the hadith in Tirmidhi, that wherever my companions lay buried, they will be the imams of that land. So your burial is an auspicious place. You should pray that you get buried next to a righteous person. Why? Because he will intercede for you. People visit each other in the graves as well. So not here. This is also helping to explain this passage. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in verse 66? It is he who gave you life, will cause you to die, will again give you life. Truly man is an ingrate. Man, in other words, because of his heedlessness, he's not reflecting, he ends up into a state of ingratitude. So I'll decide the verse. Alam tara anna Allah anzala minasamaa'i maa'a Fatusbihul ardu mukhdarra Inna Allah latifun khabir Lahu maa fis samawati wa maa fil ard Wa inna Allah lahu wa laghaniyul hamid Alam tara anna Allah sakhara lakum maa fil ardi Wal fulka tajri fil bahri bi amri وَيُمْسِكُ السَّمَاءَ أَنْ تَقَعَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِالنَّاسِ الْرَعُوفُ الرَّحِيمُ وَهُوَ الَّذِي أَحْيَاكُمْ ثُمَّ يُمِيتُكُمْ ثُمَّ يُحْيِيكُمْ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَكَفُورُ We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He makes the Qur'an the Rabi of our hearts and I pray to Almighty Allah SWT that He forgives me for any errors which I may have inadvertently uttered.